Welcome to Senior Living Marketing Perspectives. I'm Debbie Howard, co-founder of Senior Living Smart. And today I have a friend on, Robin Bradley has been kind of the voice of Senior Living Smart for many years. So if you enjoy our blogs, it is totally Robin Bradley bringing the magic. So Robin uh, describes herself as a copy bitch by day and a novelist by night. <laughs> she's been working as a freelance copywriter since 2002, and she's been collaborating here with us at Senior Living Smart since 2015. Uh, so she's probably learned more about the senior living industry than she ever wanted to know. <laughs> And when I asked Robin if she'd like to join me on one of our, our podcasts to talk about all things content marketing, the first thing she said was, can I bring Stewie, my plush sloth? And I have to say, she's the only guest who has asked that question, <laughs> which should prepare our viewers for what to expect from this conversation. Welcome, Robin. <laughs> Hi, Debbie. Hi, everyone. I am Robin the Copy Bitch. This is Stewie, my sidekick sloth, and uh, he might just... Yeah, there he goes. He waves and now he'll go over here for the rest of the interview. There we go. <laughs> and I know that there's a story about Stewie and your YouTube channel. And why don't you fill us in on that? <laughs> so Stewie and I started our little YouTube channel last year because we get so many questions about content writing and copywriting and the lifestyles of sloths and writers living together that we decided to start a little channel to try to help people answer the popular questions and have some fun while we're at it. Because you know what? At the end of the day, it's all about having fun. I think anyway, I know you do as well. So say bye, Stewie. We're going to go do this interview. <laughs> so I have to ask you, who has more followers, you or Stewie? I think we know the answer to that. Debbie. <laughs> it's Stewie. <laughs> Well, awesome. So our kind of our theme of the month, which you know, because you're writing blogs about the theme of the month right now is all things content, content marketing, inbound marketing, really how to to take messaging and copy and turn it into, you know, something that's relevant and human and can be a differentiator. And I know that there's like some art and science around copywriting and I've seen your work and I've seen how seriously you take both sides of that. So maybe if you can start off by telling us a little bit about kind of the writing process, like getting ideas, um, how to find out if that's a topic that people are actually interested in, what's the search volume, what are the keywords, and then how do you take that and really transform it into the voice of a senior living operator, for example? Absolutely. And you bring up some really good points because I think when it comes to copy and content, people want to do all the sexy stuff and have fun and be creative and coy. And I always remind people that sometimes you just have to start with the basics. I call it the blocking and tackling. I have the Super Bowl on my mind. So you actually have to have some of those foundational elements in place before you can do the trick plays. So starting with the keywords that your prospects are searching on is where it's at, because those are the people you're trying to attract. If they're already searching for what you're doing, if you can get some of those people to your website and your blog posts and your social media channels, it'll be a much easier sell. So using the keyword tools that are out there, we will be linking to some in the description notes. There are some good free tools out there that can work. And if you wanna really up your game, there are some good paid tools. My go-to tool is yeah. SEMrush. And I know you guys use yeah. that as well. 
And there's a wealth of information in there. It can actually be overwhelming. And as a copywriter, I just use it to look at keyword phrases, the search volume to see what the keyword dif difficulty is. So we can actually see if we can rank well for a particular keyword, but it can be a great product for your entire marketing team because your pay-per-click analysts can, can get in there and look at, you know, people are bidding on search terms and I think it could even do your laundry. I'm not sure, but it's a very robust yes. tool. So don't let that overwhelm you. Just focus on the keyword phrases. And then from there, that's your starting point. You see what people are searching on. So then you can go, okay, what phrases are people searching on? What really is relevant to our community and what we are doing for our audience? And then you match it and you come up with that whole content strategy for people at different places in their journey. So you'll have people who are just starting out learning about senior living and things like that. And then you're going to lead them down that famous marketing funnel, that sales funnel, right? hopefully a close and a move in. So that's my process. Like you said, it's part science. That's the science part. And then the art part mm. is where you get into the content itself and telling that brand story. And I think that's the thing that, that a lot of companies struggle with. This is across the board, but particularly in the senior living industry. And Debbie, I know you have, I have talked about this, <laughs> where Everyone's selling the same thing, essentially. You're selling four walls, yeah. selling great dining. You're selling that awesome <laughs> hair salon that you have on site and that pub that you have on site. So if everyone's doing that, it all starts to sound alike after a while. So you have to figure out how to really make it authentic. And the way you do that is by talking about the experience in your community. That's going to be different from any other community. Like the, the experience that people are having in your dining room, that people, the experience that people are having in your hair salon, that's what makes it different. You actually have to just get very authentic, uh, up close and personal with the people who are in the community, living there, serving the community, and really tell those stories because that's really going to be what sells it. Yeah, storytelling is, is so important. And I think we do miss the mark of personalizing our brand with stories and just focusing on features and functions and services and amenities, which unfortunately is not terribly differentiated in our market. It's really about the, the lifestyle and the experience and what can you claim that nobody else can claim. So you might have all of those similar things, but they don't have your chef. They don't have your hairdresser who knows. Like my mom lived in the senior community and she made great friends with the hair. It's so funny you brought up a hairdresser because it just brought back this memory of, you know, she went to the hairdresser for the first time when she moved in and she hadn't had a new hairdresser in like 25, probably 50 years, honestly. And then they started talking about applesauce making. And then next thing you know, she's telling me to run out and buy her some apple corer because they're going to make applesauce together on the hairdresser's day off. And there are all those life moments that really make that special connection. I don't see that story on, on the community that my mother lived in. <laughs> Right. And that's too bad because that's the thing that makes it different. And as a prospect, you're coming to a website knowing, okay, it's senior living. It's going to have housing. It's going to have the dining room. It's going to have the hair salon. But then if you see the hairdresser working with residents, a short little video, or maybe you do an interview with the hairdresser about how much she loves working in the community. And then you get testimonials from the residents who love doing it. Well, think of all the ways you can use that content. That's social media content. That's blog content. That's website content that can be used in email marketing. So that's the other thing you have to think about when it comes to content. It's not just once and done. That one piece of content can be repurposed and reused multiple ways. It should be because that's how you get the biggest bang for your buck too. 
You made a couple of points that I wanted to follow up on. One is the, the science and the keyword research and really making sure you're writing about things that people are actually are, are searching for. And so often because we have a product that people don't buy multiple times in their life and they don't have any familiarity, they don't use the terms that we want them to use. And so very often what they call our product isn't what we want them to call our product. And so we'll look at words like maybe we're an assisted living community. And yet in our market, the word that's most searched on is senior apartment or retirement community. And we don't consider ourselves that. So can you talk a little bit about how do we, how do we address that? Because we've had people really push back on why are you writing this content and using these keywords that we don't think represent us. And it's because in your market, these are the questions and this is, they don't know what to put in their search engine to describe you. And sometimes it's not in alignment. So what's the balance of that? So that's a really good point. And you have to meet prospects where they are, because otherwise you're going to lose out. And I, I get the desire to want to shift the conversation and make the terms sound maybe a little more inclusive or user-friendly or more PC. But if people are searching on senior apartments or old folks home, that's a search term that we see you yeah. do have to decide, and that's a decision you make internally. I think there are ways you can handle the content. You can help shift that conversation. So you could have a series of blog posts that maybe you use old folks home, Florida, and you use that in your title and in some of the subheadlines. So you keep Google happy and that's how you get those searchers in. But then you explain, hey, here's why we don't use that phrase. And here's the phrase that we do use, but it's okay if you use that phrase, but here's what our community is about. So you can help to shift that conversation but you're still talking to the people who are using that term and you're educating them, which is what they need. They don't, like you said, they don't know what to search on. So they're just thinking, okay, senior apartment, that's what I'm thinking I need. But now you can show them it's so much more than just an apartment. Yeah, we have a place where you can live and lay your head, but there's so much more to this community and this lifestyle. And here's what we do in our community. So it is a balancing act. And that's where a good writer and a good marketing team can really help you make that shift, but you have to be open to it. The resistance right. that you're getting, like you have to be open to doing that. And it can be scary. It can be scary to be like, all right, if we start using these phrases, we're going to be taking a step back. Not necessarily. Sometimes you have to take that step back in order to take three leaps forward as the saying goes. And then on the art side, it's like, how do we show our personality? How do we determine our voice? And I think ultimately, how do we come across as being human? And I think this goes back to what we were talking about with the great chef or the great hairdresser. It's really showing people because that's what you're selling. You're selling the people in your community, both the residents who are going to be a prospect's neighbors, as well as the people who are serving the, the residents, whether it's the care staff or the groundskeepers or the dining staff. People is what makes something human, right? That's actually yeah. you know a no-brainer. So you really have to bring the people aspect into your website. And it might just be something as simple as doing a quick little phone video. Like it doesn't even have to be professional with your chef in the kitchen. And they maybe like take a little tour through the kitchen or maybe they show you the most popular dish that, you know, this week or this month that people have been requesting and they show how they make it. And then you can do another video in the dining room, people eating that dish and why they like it so much. And then you can share the recipe on the website or share it in a link to the family. So they know like, here's what mom's been eating this week and everybody's been raving about it. You can make it at home, something like that. That's how you show community. It's those warm and fuzzy moments. 
and doing it across the board and consistently. That's the key. You can't just do it once. Like you're never just done with marketing. You always joke about that. It's <laughs> an ongoing thing. It's not a once and done thing. So you have to continue to capture those moments. And I think the thing that scares people is that they think, oh, it needs to be polished and professional. No, sometimes off the cuff, like grabbing your smartphone and doing a video, even if the lighting's not great, that's what's going to show real authenticity because people know this wasn't stage. Like this was an off the cuff moment where we're talking to Marjorie as she's eating her lemon meringue pie and raving about it. And it's like, oh, wow, I could see my mom really liking this environment. You, could, you feel better about it. It's like a very subconscious psychological thing that you can't really quantify but those feelings that you get when you look at something that give you all the feels yeah and we're lucky because we actually have some industry specific apps heart legacy and one day that make it really easy and you can send in very rough cuts and they'll edit it but it's still real it's still clearly not produced right right <laughs> models right. and background music that's awesome we'll link to those in the description and i i recommend that if you're watching this video and you're thinking yeah i want to try that check out those apps and just try to get over the fear. I think that's the thing that scares people. It's, oh, but we have to like make sure it's right on brand and we're saying the right things. No, you don't. Like as long as no one's swearing or there's no nudity in the background, you're fine. <laughs> but just put it up. You can always take it down if it doesn't work or if you have something better, but you just have to get in the habit of doing that. And video is so huge. The stats are for across all ages. Like people watch video. We just will watch video. We'll stop and watch it, whether it's on YouTube or a website or TV that we're just a very much a visual society. So that's huge. And it's going yeah. to be even more important as people go along. So, so to some degree, you have to really dig into uh, a couple things, right? You've got to dig into your ideal prospect and really build out that persona and depending on the service level and the lifestyle that you're representing, it could be the older adult who's the primary decision maker, or if it's more care focused, the adult child that's the decision maker. And then you have to really do some, some soul searching around what do you do better and different? What's your better and different story? And then how do we, you know, think about that and how we're going to articulate that across every single channel that we have? Because if everyone has transportation and our transportation isn't different than anybody else, but the chef is, we actually did a campaign and we started posting recipes from this great chef of one of our clients on Pinterest. We drove 800 website visits to wow. download the recipe for like, and for some reason, this pineapple Hawaiian pizza got like 21,000 views. Wow. And that doesn't surprise <laughs> me. People love that stuff. That's the stuff people like. And that's what you have to do. The key after that is follow-up. So after someone downloads this recipe, hopefully I'm sure you guys did it right. There's email follow-ups. So you then you can funnel the people who are actually in that location or maybe thinking of making that move. So those are the things I think that sometimes get lost as you might do this really great content campaign, but you have to think of the through line. What do we ultimately want to get people to do and make sure you do it and look at the analytics, looking at the traffic, looking at the analytics, doing more of that because you're seeing that it works. And you're right about personas. You have to know who you're selling to. And that can be a moving target at times. And I think mm -hmm. many senior living communities, you're not just speaking to one persona. You might be speaking to the older adult who's making the decision for themselves. But if you have an independent living campus, you're speaking to maybe younger adults. And then if you have memory care, you're speaking to the adult child. So you have lots of different, you're juggling many different balls. Yeah. You have to have different campaign campaigns for each buyer persona to help them down that path. And that's where a good marketing team can really be essential because you can kind of keep track of all the yeah. campaigns and all the different elements and all the different pieces because it can get overwhelming. But once it's set up, you know, 
properly and you're looking at the analytics that can be really beneficial and help get those people to move in. I think we actually have a sample content spreadsheet, like a quarterly planning grid that you where you put in all the keyword research, the search volume, the difficulty, the audience, so the persona, and then where they are in their journey. So that we're building content for people who are in awareness, um, consideration and decision. And we find that most of the content consumption seems to be more in that awareness research kind of stage. And then you have to have very different content for people that are in that consideration and decision. So thinking it out on a quarterly basis, really having that roadmap is going to, you can't wing it, right? You just can't be like, okay, here's a word doc. I'm going to write about something and put it on the website this week. <laughs> exactly. And you're right that the content changes. The awareness stage is very much talking about the website, your blog posts, the guides that people download. But once someone's actually Maybe they've booked a tour and they've toured your community once and they're on the fence or maybe they're considering several other communities. Then you have to think about the content that's going to support sales. And that might not be stuff that prospects will see like online. That's the stuff that maybe the salespeople deliver one-on-one. -on -one. Maybe it's a brochure. Maybe it's a direct email that they get with a thumbnail of a video where a resident is talking about just how much they enjoyed, they enjoy living in the community, but also talking about that transition process. So you have to think about where that that prospect is in the decision-making process. So if they've done a tour, maybe they're trying to decide, maybe you do a campaign where you talk about what it's like to transition to your community, what you do as a community to help someone transition if they're feeling nervous or if they need to downsize or what's that first week like? Are they assigned like mm -hmm. a friend, a friendly neighbor to help you to introduce them and bring them to the book club and bring them to the pub? Like these are the things that you have to think about through the entire length of the resident's stay and the content continues to need to be developed at every different level not just at that top level but also after someone's already a resident because they're going to be a great referral source so if they have a great experience then you can have a great referral program and they'll be happy to participate in it to tell their friends and family members as well yeah great points and a couple of topics that i want to make sure that we cover one is the impact of the pandemic on the senior living industry and also the length of the sales cycle. Honestly, assisted living, uh, it's 19% longer to get somebody from first interest to move in. Uh, independent living is even longer, 36% longer. So many more months, anywhere from, I think assisted living was about 203 days and the independent living could go, or active adult could go up to 407 days from the first time that you know, they convert in some way or with you on something all the way through their decision process. And you need 22 interactions with them on average to get them through that process. The pandemic certainly didn't help the industry in terms of representing. And I think that the industry also had always focused on lifestyle and amenities that was wiped out when everybody was in their apartments by themselves. And all of a sudden, that messaging just didn't resonate. So I'd love to hear your perspectives. I know we actually did some work together with a client on how to help them uh, pivot their messaging um, around really focusing on some other things that we never thought we would represent in marketing supply chain. We actually get toilet paper delivered and we have, <laughs> we have food. But even if you're in your apartment, you're going to get some level of interaction and consistency of, of care. You won't be alone. So I'd love to hear your perspective on that because I still go to a lot of websites that are exactly, they never change their message at any point besides putting a COVID banner um, at the top, which was mostly all around CDC. It wasn't anything that was 
particularly human. And you hit the nail on the head. It's about being human. And it's about not shying away from the hard topics like COVID scary. And I think people automatically assume senior living is where COVID was happening. And you and I both know that wasn't the case. Yes, nursing homes in particular were vulnerable to COVID, but so many senior living communities, my parents and I recently toured one and, and the woman said, she's like, we haven't had one COVID case. Nowhere on their website have they mentioned that. And I think it's because there's a fear, there's a fear of saying the wrong thing. So I think when it comes to something like COVID or, or any sort of disaster, hurricanes, if you're in Florida and you're vulnerable to hurricanes, what's the process? If a hurricane's yeah. about to hit, what happens to mom and dad living in the senior living community? Don't shy away from hard topics. Doesn't mean you have to broadcast it on your homepage, but you should have a section that addresses that because you can reassure prospects, their families being like, we got you covered. This is, we, we are used to doing this. We know how to issue vaccines. We do the flu vaccine every fall. This is a no brainer mm -hmm. for us. We, we've got it down. This is the place you actually want to be because like you said, we don't have the supply chain issues. We have the stores of toilet paper and we know how to handle the dining. So it's creating that reassurance. I think that was a real lost opportunity for a lot of senior living communities because you could actually talk about how you guys, this is the place to be. Like this is, this yeah. is covered and we will make sure that your loved ones are safe. In terms of how to market differently, I think one of the pivots we've seen, and I think it's been a good thing is people have been really forced to embrace video, including sales teams, yeah. which is good because people do like video and you can sell, you could do the virtual tours. And I think there's you can still get mileage out of virtual tours now, even though the doors are opening, still having an option for a virtual tour on your website can be a great way for someone to sample your community and help. They can then self-identify whether, you know, this is a good fit or not, which will make your numbers better. Like you're only dealing with the prospects who've actually maybe looked at your virtual tour and they're interested in touring. So that's a good mm -hmm. thing. You're dealing with a hotter prospect. So I, I think we've seen some positive shifts. From, from COVID, obviously, we've got to find the silver linings. I, I think we're going to hopefully continue to see those shifts as people embrace some of the changes that they've had to make and they'll become more permanent. Yeah, I, I agree. I think there were some good learnings and it accelerated, you know, adoption of probably technology, but also giving uh, prospects more choice and how they wanted to engage with us not keeping all the secrets and making people call or visit to find out. I still see a lack of transparency. We had a, a call with a, with a client who said, we're getting a lot of unqualified leads. And we're like, well, you don't tell them any pricing anywhere on the website. <laughs> and there's no virtual tours so they can have any idea. So you're pretty much not allowing people to self-disqualify and you're forcing them to call to get that information or schedule a tour and visit to get that information. And then you're annoyed with them when they you know, aren't qualified for your product. And it was just an interesting conversation because how much money, especially in digital paid, which is so expensive, AdWords are like through the roof right now. If there's no way for someone to find out before they convert, you're paying for all of these conversions when you could have been just transparent. Exactly. And you're wasting everybody's time. You're waste, wasting the prospect's time. So they have a bad feeling now about your community. Like, yeah, they might have you know, not have been the right person, but they might be friends with someone who's the right person. But now they're saying, oh, you know what? I went to that community, wasn't so good. So now that person's not interested. So you have to remember that. And you're right. You have to 
meet people where they are. If they want pricing, give them pricing. I don't know why there's such resistance to putting those numbers out there. We're all grownups, we're all adults. People need to know how much it's gonna cost now. When you do give pricing, I do think you have to educate because I think people aren't aware of the benefits or like the veterans aid benefit. There are ways mm -hmm. to, to finance senior living. So those numbers I think can be a little overwhelming, but that's where it's an opportunity to say, hey, if this number overwhelms you, you might still qualify. Don't hang up yet. Don't walk away right. yet. <laughs> you need to know. And were you a veteran? You know, check out the veterans aid. That's where I think it's, you have to have that bridge so that it's not just you're putting up scary numbers and then people are walking away. Like, no, you have to have more education with it, but you should definitely give me the information. And if someone, and I know we talked about that, if someone says that they only want email communications, don't call them. Like, let them right. tell you how they want to be communicated to you. I know when I was doing the search with my parents, it annoyed me. Like, I filled out a form to try to get information and immediately got a yeah. phone call from an 800 number from someone who just, and I get it, I get that was their job and everything like that, but that's not the way to do it. Like if I just want email communication, I want a simple answer to a question. I don't need to be an intrusive sales call. So, and that's just yeah. a big shift we're seeing. And I know we've talked about this. It's called buyer enablement. Like buyers control the sales process now. It's no longer sales. Like yeah. buyers get online and they will go to a website seven to 10 times at least before even like filling out a form. They, they are getting savvier, even the older generations, and especially the boomers who are looking for mom and dad. You want to meet them where they are and you want to treat them like the adults that they are. And if they don't want a sales call, Okay, let them raise their hand when they're ready for that sales call. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up like landing pages and forms because giving people, you know, choice and saying, how do you want to engage with us? And where are you in your journey? And how can we best help you? And then allowing them to select their mode of communication. But then you have to actually respect it because yeah. sometimes, same thing, I've checked off, I just want email, I just want you just send me something by email. And if they force me to put the phone number in and all I really want is, is a piece of content by email, I'm probably going to not do that. I'm probably not going to take that action, which might then force me to a third party, uh, like a place for mom, which is going to sell me back the same lead that was probably on my website before because I'm local, right? And at the end of the day, what we do is super local. So if I'm searching senior living or retirement communities near me, and I get this list and I go onto their website, I'm going to, depend on, depending on where I am in my journey, if I'm just beginning, I'm going to interact with the one that's not going to force me down a path that works for them, which is a forced phone call. I can't get anything without filling out that phone call. I'm going to go with the one that's name and, and email because that's my preferred mode of communication. We're actually doing a case study right now where we are going on to 100 senior living websites all over the country, all different sizes, some national chains, some, you know, midsize and some kind of small independently owned and operated. And we're just going through the experience of filling out a contact us form to understand really as an industry what's happening. So I'm going to, I'm fascinated to see every team member that we're, that's on this project has 20 communities. Uh, so I've got to get on and do my 20 communities, but it all started because we talked to a CEO of a big company and we we're talking about marketing automation. And I just asked him, I said, what happens after somebody fills out your form on your website? He's like, I have no idea. So he's like, let's do it. <clears throat> so we were on zoom like this. And I said, awesome. So I pulled up his website. I filled out my stuff. I filled out my real phone number. I didn't have a burner phone from Google. <laughs> 
right? And I just put in the comment because I didn't have a drop down to ask for a guide or a brochure or anything. It was just like a generic form. So I filled it out and I said, let's see what happens. And I went into my email to see, did I get thank you for contacting us or whatever? But immediately the, my phone rang. And so I'm like, oh, they're calling. He goes, answer it. So I, I answered it and I put it on speaker and I let them know that the CEO of the company was on with me and we were just kind of testing. But I said, what information did you get from me that let you know that I was ready for a phone call? And she said, honestly, the form was all messed up. It was just all like symbols and numbers and letters that made no sense. That So what I got at the, at the community level didn't inform me, but I had your name and phone number, but anything you wrote in the comment box just, you know, came across with kind of gobbledygook. And so he was listening in on this whole conversation. I'm like, okay, we really need to talk <laughs> about wow. doing this better. But so that just got us thinking, I wonder what happens as an industry across the country when a prospect goes on. That was super interesting. The prospect owns their journey and I think who wins is the, are the operators that make it easy for prospects to find you, engage with you, and choose you by meeting them where they are and removing the friction for their journey. I think that's going to be fun. We'll be following up with you, Robin, to help us write the case study. <laughs> Absolutely. That'll be really telling. I'll be curious to see how people do. And I think you bring up another good point. Where marketing ends and sales picks up, you have to have synergy between the two because I know it can be really scary for a sales team that's used to getting you know, 200 leads a month. And yeah, maybe they're not all qualified, but seeing that number 200 and seeing it maybe go down to like half of that can be really scary, even when you tell them that these are going to be better leads, but you have to yeah. get them to understand that that's their goal. They should only be focused on the real high intent leads and let marketing nurture the other leads until they become high intent. And that's a shift in thinking that needs to happen. It needs to be supported from the top on down. The owners and CEOs need to be on, on board with that strategy so that sales can take a, a breather and be like, okay, I'm only working a hundred leads on a 200 and it's okay. And, and this is, yeah. this all work out in the end. And you know it's, what, to, to website forms, people should always audit their own forms, like every quarter or twice a year, because things break. Sometimes forms do just break in the back end. So it's always a good idea to, you know, click on that CTA button that's on that landing page yeah. and see what happens, just to make sure things are working. Is it working in a way that's intuitive the way you thought it would maybe just have someone like a, a marketing intern be like go through the site and fill out forms and click on CTAs and see what makes sense and what does sometimes things do break break over time and you want to just make sure it's still intuitive the way you were thinking of it when it was set up yeah that's a really good point we found things broken just because somebody else sets up a new workflow and they don't know that's impacting something else down the line so good point and I guess the last thing I want to talk about is in terms of content and marketing, we're shifting from that silent generation that go along, get along, World War II, Depression era, to the leading edge of the baby boomers. So what do you think we have to do to change the, the messaging and the tone and the voice? Because we're going from... People who were very happy with, I have my own apartment, I'm, I'm not going to have to cook, I've got three meals, and they're going to take me to my doctor's appointment, to like the sushi and cappuccino generation that's, I'm going to have it my way, I'm going to have what I want, when I want, the way I want it, and you got to figure out how to deliver it to me. 
Exactly. And I think it's everything we've talked about times a hundred, like turbocharge, it's going to be very much about being authentic. And you bring up a good point about customization. Maybe it's going to be more of a model that shifts to more of a cost, custom approach model where you get to pick and choose. You get to decorate your your residence. You get to choose the different level. Maybe there are different levels of living. I think we're going to see a major shift as the silent generation ages out and the boomer generation starts to step in because it's a very different audience. And the way we talk to them is going to need to change. The way we sell to them is going to need to change as well. So I think that it would behoove every community out there to be thinking about that. And what's good is that these boomers are often going with mom and dad to look at senior living communities. So this is a perfect time to start to pick their brain, even just unofficially, and start to develop messaging and you know, make little notes in your tickler file. Ask the adult children, what did you think of this? What did you like about this community? What would you want different if you were to live here? Like start asking those questions and start compiling that information because that's going to inform not just your marketing, but what's going to need to change within the community itself, like the actual infrastructure of right. what you are selling. Because the product is going to change dramatically. What we're selling today is going to be very different than what we're selling in like 2040 or 2030 even, I think anyway. Yeah, I feel like colleges really made that shift. I don't know how many years ago, but I mean, when you think about the experience that I had in college, there was one cafeteria. You got your meal plan. You were going to eat every meal for the rest of your time in college at that cafeteria. And that was included. And you, you bought your plan, right? Was it just during the week or was it weekends or what? But there was very, there was no choice. Right. And now like when my kids went to college, I can only imagine how it is today. They had a card and there were stations and there was like all these little mini restaurants within the campus of the community. I was like, this is amazing. And they still had to manage to a budget, but they had an incredible amount of choice. And I think even when my youngest son went, they then opened it up to area privately owned restaurants that surrounded the campus that you could take that campus card, that, that meal credit, and you could go to this whole variety of restaurants. So I think about how we in senior living, and it's a very similar experience, right? It's a period of time. It's transitional. It's important. It's like the first time that kids have gone away to to school. There's a lot of emotion to it. There's a lot of choices, but there's probably one that's better for you, even though they have very similar amenities. They all teach classes. They all give you a degree. <laughs> that's a you great, all live in a dorm. That's a great analogy. That's an excellent analogy. And I think, yeah, it would be, that's a great model to study too, because you're right. There was a shift, even from when I went to college, they were starting to offer a little bit more choice, but it's changed so dramatically. Like you said, they have bistros and late night pubs and, you know, cafes and the main dining and that's something that I think the boomer generation and the generations coming up behind them are going to want they're going to want that sort of customization make your own final chapter yeah no that's really true and, and even brands become more more important so I think in, in a lot of colleges and I think even in senior living communities like people just don't want a cup of coffee they want Starbucks or Dunkin Donuts or whatever their brand is and it, it, even sodas, like we would go into communities and I was like in your model apartment or in your discovery center or hospitality suite as you're wooing these prospects through their decision process, because this is a high value transaction and the, the, the lifetime value of a resident is very high. And yet I would go in and find like in their little mini fridge or whatever, it was like Shasta or Polar, like who drinks that at home? That's a really good point. 
Um, yeah. And I think we're going to see that shift even more so. Like I said, it'll be turbocharged over the next decade or two as the boomer generation starts to think about where do they want to spend their retirement years, not even their golden years. It's like from 62 on up, I don't want to mow anymore. I don't want to do this, but I want to travel and I want choice and I want, you know, to have my sushi once a week and yeah. all of those good things. So you're absolutely correct on that. Yeah, it's it's interesting to watch. We we had a a new client that actually the resident board kind of runs the community or is very engaged and involved in decision making. So then they were looking for a new marketing agency. It was all about this group of residents that was going to decide if Senior Living Smart was hired or not. And I was, I don't think I'd ever been put in that situation. So the big Zoom comes on. I'm sitting in, in a room and mostly probably 80 people who were in their 80s were in this room and they were putting me through my paces about marketing. And what struck me was when this one gentleman said, because I was sharing my experience of being the adult daughter and looking for places for my mom when she needed um, to move into a community setting and what that was like. And he was like, well, no offense, but we don't want your mama. We want you. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Wow. (laughs) It's really funny. And I'm sitting there on our marketing team. (laughs) Exactly. And he was like, what do we have to do to get younger people in here? And I said, you've got to change your product. Like marketing isn't going to solve the fact that if you want me, I work more than full time and I do pottery, right? If I have any free time and I play pickleball and I'm sure if there are guys, you know, they're maybe they want a garage to tinker with their car or like you have to create the lifestyle before you can create the marketing. And I think so often people want marketing to solve a product issue, but that is, that is never going to, to work. <laughs> that's, a, that's an excellent point. And, and to that point, your marketing has to match what you're what you're selling fancy marketing that gets people in but then if they show up at your community and it's drab and boring and doesn't match the voice or what the presentation is major disconnect almost feels like a bait and switch so you're absolutely right if if the problem is the product or your community or something fundamental needs to change like maybe you need to revamp your the living space you got to do that first before the marketing can help you which i know chicken and egg and it's expensive it but is. you're absolutely right like that needs to change first and then marketing can help you get the word out but marketing's not going to yeah. fix a problem that exists within the community so good point yeah and I think there's two tracks right there's the kind of the current state and be realistic about the current state and then there's the aspirational state of where you want to get to and I think marketing can be working both paths and I think it, what's interesting too is that with we have a lot of people that I mean direct mail still works in in senior living it's it's one of the audience that goes can't wait for the mailman to come and goes out and gets their mail and the highlight of the day <laughs> so they will look at your mailing pieces and while there's so much limitations around privacy in the digital world we can't identify people by criteria like age or income necessarily, or healthcare status or diseases or ailments or whatever, you get all of that information. You can buy a list about absolutely anything in the traditional space. And one of the things that we've been looking at for those communities that current state isn't going to attract those younger folks, but they want to get there is to say, okay, for today, what we're going to do is we're going to export your rent roll. And if, as long as you have more than 500 historical contact contacts of people who have chosen your community, we can export that and give that to a data house. And they will come back to us with lookalike lists mm-hmm. of people who have those same attributes. So we can really go for your, your high intent 
most likely to convert because they look exactly like your current resident base. While we're building towards your future of getting people who are there 10 years younger. Right. And that makes sense. And I think it's, it's fair to be transparent on the website about where you're headed. You have a section on the nav called where we're headed, the five-year plan, the 10-year plan, so that people who are maybe shopping with mom and dad, they're like, oh, okay, they plan on putting in, they're changing, they're making bungalows, or they're adding a sushi bar, whatever it is. Like you, they can see that plan, those plans that are in place, that aspiration for the next five years, 10 years, 20 years. So they know, okay, I'll keep this on my radar. So I think, like you said, there's a way to balance the reality with where you want to be and to promote it authentically and, and truthfully, because that's important. You need to be truthful in what you're, you're promoting and putting out there. What I'm hearing is be real, be authentic, be transparent, yep. and maybe have a little bit of fun. Maybe have a sloth show up <laughs> in your marketing. Yeah, like seriously, <laughs> have fun. The world is what the world is. We need to have some light and fun and sunshine. We also have to be realistic in what we're selling too. And I think that's something too that people shy away from is some of the harder topics. Like this is where I'm going to be spending the rest of my life. What's that going to look like? And maybe occasionally addressing those topics. Like you won't be alone. Like you you will be here. If the money runs out, depending on the type of community you have, like a C-scarcity, mm-hmm. we'll be with you every step of the way. Like those reassuring messages are important to residents and their loved ones. So not shying away from some of the harder topics while still talking about the happier topics too. Right. That's great. So Robin, if people can't wait now to have you help with branding or content or copy (laughs) or Stewie, or they want to get... Say hi to Stewie. What's the best way for them to get a hold of you? So definitely check out the description notes, the uh, the show notes. But my website is is a mouthful. It's etrobbins.com. That's the best way to reach me. Or you can just look at the link or they can work with Senior Living Smart. And uh, <laughs> you guys have a great stable of writers. So whether you work with me or you work with some of the others, I mean, you really can't go wrong if they work with you. I appreciate answering questions or just chatting with people, doing some brainstorming. Always happy to do that. And Stevie would would be happy (laughs) to. Well, Robin, thank you so much for stopping by and sharing your senior living marketing perspectives with us. And hopefully we'll get together with you in person at the Senior Living Smart offices very soon. (laughs) Yay, thanks for having us.